Welcome to Happy Talks with Dr. Alice and Donovan. Dr. Alice Fong is a holistic naturopathic doctor and founder of Amour de Soi Wellness. And Donovan Jensen is a software engineer and founder of HowToHappy.com. Together, they're out to cause more happiness in the world. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Happy Talks. Today, I am super excited to introduce our guest here today, Mitch Gonzalez. He is the founder and CEO of Executive Advantage, which is a business growth consulting firm that is responsible for helping high ticket B2B service-based companies scale to one to five million using automation, LinkedIn, and commission-only sales teams. And, you know, I, I wanted Mitch on our podcast specifically because he's responsible for helping jumpstart my business, get that off the ground to the point where I was like struggling with my business in the red and, you know, using his processes has totally turned everything around to the point where now I have a doctor working with me and it's, it's really incredible. So I'm super excited to have Mitch here <laughs> and awesome. speak without success. So welcome Mitch. Thanks for joining us. Awesome. awesome. Great. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so, so Mitch, why don't you start by telling us a little about your your story and you know what inspired you to to get your business off the ground and and really scale it? So Mitch has built a multi million dollar company in a very short span of time in like a two year period. So he knows how to grow businesses really fast. So yeah, why why don't you start by telling us your story? Yeah, sure. So I mean, I've been an entrepreneur for probably my whole life. I would say. So I always kind of had this like hustler mentality in a sense where like ever since I was like as young as I can imagine, I was always trying to like find different creative ways to make money and like really, I don't know what it was. It was just like providing like I guess it was just the thrill of selling something or going and like being creative. I think that's what it came down to maybe. But um, yeah, I, I started selling newspapers door to door when I was like 10 years old. I would just go door to door in the snow here in Toronto, like six feet of snow or whatever we get here. And uh, I would just go door to door. And I remember at the beginning, it was, I think my dad had a lot to do with it too, because he'd always like push me like, you got to get a job, you know, you got to go make some money for yourself. And so my biggest motivation at the time was to buy hockey sticks because that's what we do in Canada. So I'd go and just make any amount of money that I could to like, just do what I wanted and really just get what I wanted. And then there's a point where, I wasn't that hungry in the sense of I would go and deliver the papers. I was a great, great work ethic, but I remember that I wasn't like going to every house and collecting the money that like from the work that I did. And then it shifted where my dad made me realize that like, you got to get rewarded for the work you put in. And so that's when I would just go to every house and I would just <laughs> milk as much as I could out of it. Cause I was like, I'm doing the work. And then that's kind of what, instilled the the work ethic in me I found that like that push kind of needed to like make me realize that you know you got to not just do the work but also reap the rewards of it and so that was my first introduction to like sales in a sense where I'd go to door to door sell to people I'd go to like other neighborhoods and like knock on their door like you want a newspaper and stuff so that's kind of how I got into like selling and stuff and then all through high school I used to like sell different things to different people like I would go um, I'd see there's a problem where people were standing by, um, we're walking home, right at school, high school. And then I'd go and, uh, I'd make these bus passes and I would sell them like copyrighted bus passes or whatever. Um, 
and I was just any way to like kind of make money. And then out of high school, I just um, I went for like one semester of college, mm-hmm. and then I just realized like every single day I was like I was at the time like trading stocks and like currencies, and like I would put money into like um, futures markets as well, and I would trade like oil contracts and stuff. And um, and then it was my first semester, and then I just dropped out, and I was trading. And I had a little bit of money there, but I need some cash flow. So then I just started going door to door again. And I started selling digital marketing services. This is when like no one was really doing digital marketing. This is like five years ago. And I was selling it to like restaurants because at the time, Instagram was like just starting to like get pretty big. It was like 2015, maybe mm-hmm. or like 2014. And I was like, everyone's posting pictures of their food. Let me go sell to restaurants. So I started selling Instagram services and, and email marketing. And I would just go door to door. I remember I'd go to like 40, 50 restaurants a day. And the first client I closed, this is like a little lesson in like perseverance and just like pushing through your comfort zone. Cause I was a very introverted kid. And when I got like, that was probably like did like 45 that day. I didn't close anyone. I didn't have any clients. Mm -hmm. And then I went to the last one. It was like 9 30 PM at night. And I didn't want to go in there. I was like, Oh, the owner's probably not there. Like the last 45, you know? let me just go home on it. It's nine 30 anyways, whatever. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go in there. Yeah. I was like, you know what? F it. I'm just going to go in, went in there and literally spot closed them for 1500 bucks a month. And then that like changed everything for me. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of opened my eyes like, okay, well, this is the most money I made in a like a business that I had. So mm-hmm. then I started to just sell to more of these restaurants and scale it up a little bit. And then, I realized that trading and financial markets were my biggest passion. So then I started helping wealth managers, financial planners, financial advisors, really everyone, anyone in like the financial space, borderline hedge funds too, and uh, helping them generate assets under management. So I'd use my digital marketing skills, kind of got that up. And I grew that one to about half a million within 18 months. And then from there, people were just asking me um, like how I was generating success. And I was mainly using LinkedIn and I was doing sales and stuff like that. So people started, I started consulting people. And then that's how I started Executive Advantage. And we grew that to uh, 2.4 million within the last 18 months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I got to be a part of that <laughs> in a way, which was really exciting. Uh, yeah. So super inspiring story. And just definitely, it's kind of like, you know, my my parents are, are immigrants and they, they, they came to the U.S. and started as like dishwashers, essentially. Mm-hmm. And they got to the point of where mm-hmm. now they own like four houses, which is pretty, it's like definitely the hustler's mentality. It takes something and it's just like, it's not like a quick, easy kind of a thing. It, it took a lot of like grit and grind and hustle to, to get where you are. And um, it's a really inspiring story. <laughs> 100%. And one of the things I missed out of that story, which you mentioned dishwashers. So mm-hmm. uh, when I was doing my first um, door-to-door knocking on restaurants, I was also on the side delivering pizzas and also making pizzas. And I remember you brought that memory. I used to go and wash the dishes. And like, I just remember in the back, washing dishes, delivering pizzas. And I just remember that state where I was like, I knew I was gonna create something successful. It was like, I was on the fringe. I knew time was about to just, you know, converge and I was about to, you know, take off and I was going to be out of there but I remember that was another big thing because I would do that um 
I would try and sell all day. And then at nighttime, I would go and just try and make some money so I could stay afloat. Wow, incredible. So I'm curious, you know, not everyone is, is you know, obviously a big mindset. Perseverance mm-hmm. was really important. Like, what do you feel like was the key factor to your own success through all these difficult times and probably getting a lot of like rejection? <laughs> like what, what had you kind of persevere through all of, all of this grind and, and work that you had to do? Yeah. I mean, I just, in my mind, there is no other option. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a big proponent, like, as you know, Alice said, like one of my biggest mottos is just like, you got to burn the boats you got to storm the beaches and you got to seize the island. So like the biggest thing that most people, what happens is that they're always like something that they can like fall back on. Mm-hmm. It's like net that they're going to catch them if they fall. Mm-hmm. And for me, I always just cut the cord and I just put my back against the wall. And then at that point you give yourself no other option. And then in those times when you're going through it, it's like, it's already right, like what you want and what, your goals are and everything, your vision that you want to achieve. Mm-hmm. When you realize that it's already happened and time just hasn't caught up yet, <laughs> that's when you can kind of like, it almost gives you a, and that ease and that peace, but mm-hmm. then you're also working in urgency and you're also have the faith that it's going to come to fruition mm-hmm. in a certain amount of time because time is going to elapse anyways. Mm-hmm. And if you're just working and you already realize that what you want in your mind and what you see as your desired situation that you want to get to your goals, it's already happened. Then you can just like work and just be urgent to then compress the time frame to when you actually achieve it. So I always try and compress time frames, and I always just realize that it's already happened mm-hmm. and that it's just the time between and when I actually experience it in reality. Mm-hmm. So I'd be curious, I mean, that's a, that's a mindset that like, I don't think many people have, right? So I'd be curious if that's something that, that you found came naturally to you or that you've developed over time, like consciously and effortfully. Cause like, that's, that's sort of, um, for me personally, something that I've like cultivated, right. And it did not come naturally to me at all. Um, so I'd just be curious where you fall on that spectrum. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the thing that I was blessed with was just like drive and hunger mm-hmm. and like good attitude and stuff like that. But yeah, hundred percent, you get, like, that's all learnable, learnable. And I read a ton of books. Like you see, you have a bookshelf right there. Like I read a lot and I also, I'm not afraid to drop 10 grand, 50 grand on mentors. Right. So I'm not afraid to go and like learn and like speed up the time frame. And there was times where I couldn't afford some things, but I would do it anyways, because I knew that's the next level that I need to get to the next step. But a lot of the stuff was through learning mentors and then just like immersing myself into certain topics like quantum physics or law of attraction, as people call, um, or these different things of like shifting your identity, those type of things. It's like a lot of the stuff's already out there (laughs) in books on YouTube is I used to binge YouTube videos, um, buy courses and stuff like that. So I, it is definitely like you have to cultivate it for sure. Um, but you just have to ha- have like this unsatiable like thirst for worldly wisdom and knowledge. Once you get that and you're just hungry to learn, then the world becomes like your 
library in a sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I'd be curious too, like, again, uh, you know, it's some of this like core stuff, but what's the difference do you think between someone who has that drive and someone who doesn't? It's totally cool if like you don't have a, you know, off the top answer for stuff like this, but you know, cause like there are some people who get into um, this space or like start learning a little bit about success and business and then it just kind of fizzles out and nothing ever happens. So there has to be like some distinguishing factor and I'd be curious what your opinion on that is. Yeah, my honest opinion is there's there's twofold. One is like entitlement and like ungratefulness. Mm-hmm. So I just think a lot of people are entitled to certain like to a certain especially in this environment in the society we live in now. A lot of people are entitled where they think that they can get something for nothing. Mm-hmm. They're not like <laughs> they're not willing to get and kicked in the teeth, so to say. And go through that that hardship and when it gets hard they just oh no well, I deserve this but you didn't do anything right so like it's the entitlement and it's the ungratefulness in the sense of they're ungrateful for what they have mm-hmm. and the opportunity that they have like Alice you're saying your parents came here with nothing yeah. right they're grateful just to be in the great country like you guys live in America I live in Canada but same thing it's like you're grateful to even step foot on this land to be in this situation Right. And when you're grateful and you're not entitled to like nobody owes you anything and you got to go take it. It's like you're willing to push through any of those hardships, those um, adversities to get to that side. Mm. Right. So that's I think it's those two. And then, um, yeah, I just think that what I mentioned before is that they're not they don't they have um, a safety boat, <laughs> you know, they, they, they don't they're not willing to just burn the ships. Right. So. And when stuff does get hard, they kind of rely on other things that they can fall back on, right? So it's like being grateful for the opportunity, not being entitled. And then it's about just not giving yourself any other options. Like you're in a corner, you know, you got to, it's like in boxing, you got to like dodge the punches. You got to get out of that situation, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of times, like, People get worried. I, I don't know. I don't know. And I'll be curious what you think on this. But I think a lot of people get worried about like jumping ship, burning bridges, changing their life. Um, and at a lot of points in life, like you can jump in a way that you don't really lose anything, even if it doesn't pan out. Right. And I'm not saying like you want to go in with the mindset of like, oh, I'm going to fail. Hopefully I can make it work out. But a lot of times, like if I go back through my history, there was one job that I was working at that I did not like at all. Um, that was the wrong path for me. And like, it took me so long to just feel so much pain from that job before I just jumped. I had no idea what I was doing next, but I just quit and just had like some space to, to open up and do things. And it wasn't until after making that choice of realizing like, okay, there's some stuff that I would like to go pursue. And if it doesn't work, the worst case scenario is I can go back and get this like job that I didn't really like. Like, and, and I, I guess what I'm saying is like, even if you, like you can jump into something very heavily and not really have like a fallback or like it feels like you don't have a fallback but in most scenarios you can at least like in the very worst case scenario at least get back to like where you were or something manageable some version of what you had before so it's kind of the opposite like the flip side of what you were saying where like if you don't take those opportunities um you're you're guaranteed to stay in the same spot whereas if you do take those opportunities and at least try like the worst case scenario is you learn some stuff from it and have to go back to what you were doing. And like, I just don't see like how you would 
like logically you can't make any other decision besides to like push for the things that you actually care about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely see what you're saying. I would say that um, the thing is like, you can fall back on like skills, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And like, the thing is, if you do take that risk, it's, and life is all about, especially as like an investor's mindset, it's all about minimizing the downside, maximizing the upside, mm -hmm. right? And the worst thing that could happen is like, and the thing too is like, I don't really fear anything because one, once you acquire the skills, it gives you this like financial confidence or even just confidence in general, where like, you could take anything away from me. You could throw me on the streets and I'll come back faster and probably more successful than I ever was because I have the compression of time where I have the experience, right? So there's that skills that you can fall back on, which you absolutely can. Or like you said, you can go back to, like the thing is, if in that situation, I remember to give you an example, I got that first client. And the next thing I did was quit my job at Pizza Hut. So I was like, I'm not going back. But then there was just like this switch in my mind where it was like, I'm never going to go back to that situation. Like yeah. I've kind of felt it and you got a glimpse of like what could be. And so then I just, but that's always my, my mentality. But again, if you did, if it didn't work, then you got skills, you got different things. Like I would have no shame going delivering Uber eats while I build up another business. Mm -hmm. That's another thing. I think people have too much pride. Yeah. It's, it's about getting results and achieving your goals. Right. And that's the only reason I brought up any of that is like, I think some people just get so scared of like, oh, if I burn these, like they hear burn the bridges or, you know, like just yeah. jump without like knowing what's going on. And they're like, what if I fail and I crash hard and I'm just like destroyed? Yeah. Like that's not really the most realistic outcome, yeah. right? That's what I would say. That's the worst that could happen. Yeah. 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 So even if, even if it doesn't work out perfectly, which I, it seems like uh, talking to people who have tried and like jumped out and done things, like it works out more often than uh, people might think. But also, even if it doesn't, like, again, you don't want to develop that mindset. You don't want to develop like the, well, like, I guess I'll just go fail and then go back to what I was doing. But like, for those who are just like even more hesitant than normal, I just wanted to highlight that point because there is like, like you said, like if you had to, like if that first customer you got dried up the next month or whatever like you could have went and got an, another job delivering pizzas or whatever else you don't want to like you were saying like and especially now that you knew you had the skill i'm sure it like blew open your confidence in terms of like oh yeah. i closed one like i can close way more now like i know i can do it mm -hmm. um but yeah that's all just wanted to highlight that since i i know some people get way in their heads on this stuff yeah it's also the mindset going into that state too right like the mindset of like, it is going to work, right? Not if, oh, if, if I fail, it's like, it is going to work in you. And even if, if it doesn't, but um, but yeah, that's an interesting point. People that have different risk tolerances, right? Similar to like investing, you're, you're investing and allocating your time and where you're putting your energy into, right? Right, yeah. When I think about that, it's just kind of like people, I get why people want to stay in discomfort and pain because it's what they know and like, this other realm playing full out for something that's not like, there's no guarantee necessarily. And it's, it's scary for sure. But for me, what I think it's like, if you don't go for it, if you don't play full out, then you'll never know if you could have done it or not or not. And I would rather know if I sucked at it or succeeded at it than just to be stuck in my painful situation, uh, in my opinion, <laughs> yeah. Well, most people is, mm -hmm. is too comfortable, 
Yeah, it's too comfortable. So they don't feel the pain. Yeah, they don't feel the pain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They realize that there's something there that they, that like their potential, but mm -hmm. people will do more to not feel pain than they will to feel pleasure. Right. Definitely. Yeah. So, but if they do feel, then they'll propel them into action. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just kind of circling back to another thing I wanted to touch on was that, you know, for a lot of people, and even I feel like I fall prey to this of feeling like, you know, well, I'm not, I'm not successful yet. When I get to X, Y, Z, when I make X amount of money, then I'll be successful. But what I was hearing from you is like, no, I'm in the mindset that I am successful right now. And that's kind of helping me dictate my actions. I'm being successful, not waiting until I get to X to be classified as successful. That's, yeah. that's kind of it's a hack or I would say that it's a prerequisite because all it is and this is what I kind of touched on a little bit, but it's like, it's your identity, right? Yeah. So like, you have to be this person now. Right. Or you can have what you want, you know? So it's kind of like contradictory. And like, people call that like, um, like identity crisis or like, um, where they're kind of at battle between who they are and who they want to become. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the key is just, becoming that person and the thing is like there's a good example of this and a good analogy is like if you want to become like a world-class pianist like play the piano mm -hmm. right you just ask yourself what does a world-class pianist do mm -hmm. well they probably practice piano eight hours a day yeah. right or for like 10 years straight yeah. right mm -hmm. so if that's who you want to become and that's who you see yourself could relate it into like salesperson, entrepreneur, basketball player, whoever, right? Yeah. But the same kind of concept is like, what does that person do? Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. That's who I want to become. What do they do? Mm -hmm. And who are they? And then all I need to do is just do and execute on those things. And then I will become it because that's what I do. And that's who I am now, right? So it's kind of that same thing where it's like, if you want to become a great entrepreneur or a great salesperson is like, what do they do? Right. And it's, they, you know, get on the phone with prospects, they take them through qualification, they make offers, they optimize their offering, right. They, they service clients. So it's like, what does that person do it on like the personal side too, their habits, their routines, their mentality, their values, their decision-making process. Like you kind of adopt these things and then you kind of, mold them into who you want to become but that's a good point is like you have to become it before mm -hmm. you and that was a big thing like I made that shift where because what happens is you try and operate at the level of where you want to get to as the person you currently are yeah but until you become this new person at least in your identity and how you see yourself maybe even how you dress and how you act mm -hmm. then you start to shift into that that person you start doing those things that are necessary you start doing the behavior and your behavior dictates your your actions your actions dictate your results right so it's just that kind of cycle yeah it reminds me of a of a parallel from the uh, working world where um you know i would talk to these people that wanted to get promotion like promotions into management and you know the the mindset there so often was well i'll like i'll learn how to be a manager once i get promoted and become a manager and like, 
um, I, I definitely didn't come up with this. Someone taught me this, but I, I remember being like, well, that's not like, you know, that's not how it works. Like you need to be basically acting as a manager. You need to be like embodying that role. And then you're going to be the only person who can get that promotion. And I know we're talking a lot about like entrepreneurial stuff, but I don't know if like everyone's in that boat. So I just wanted to show that like these mindsets, these ideas kind of work exactly the same way. Like it's the exact same thing. Like if you want to achieve something or get something done, you need to just start doing it. You're not going to just like have a point where all of a sudden it's like, okay, I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah. You got to become the manager before you actually are the manager. That's yep. a good point. I just had a question about, you know, like the going back to the pianist example, like I could do all the action, I could practice piano eight hours a day, but the the thought that would come in my head, I think that would get in my way would be like, well, I don't have 10 years of experience. I'm just starting out right now. So it's like, how do you get away from that? The thoughts of like, well, I'm not there yet. I mean, I'll do the things, but I'm not, I'm not there yet. (laughs) So it's just like, Mm-hmm. It's, it's exactly that mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. yeah right so yeah. Like, that's probably one thing that is like you become a, a pianist yeah you're not world class yet yet <laughs> but over time like you will because with anything it's just sharpening that sword every single day right whether mm-hmm. it's whatever it is you're doing right yeah. and so you can then start to become this person over time but it's, it's time is, but again, mm-hmm. the thing that I mentioned is that time elapses regardless, mm-hmm. meaning time is not slowing, is always elapsing. So if you're just like working on like that skill set and you're practicing, like you're going to compress that time to when you become that person. Again, it's like anything, but time is the biggest thing. And then just embodying that identity then is like you are a pianist, right? Cause that's what, what you do. You're a piano player, like you're a basketball player, right? It's like, that's what you do. And so that's who you become. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's, yeah. Like becoming world-class or like the best of anything is obviously going to take time. And then that mindset in between, it's like, you just have to have that faith and belief in yourself mm-hmm. that I am with time. I'm mm-hmm. going to do it because I've studied these other Beethoven's and whoever, <laughs> you know, that have done it in the past and okay. I know it takes around, 10,000 hours so I'm just going to put my 10,000 hours in you Mm -hmm. look up after 10,000 hours and you're playing in front of 10,000 people (laughs) right so I have a question switching topics just a a touch so I've had experiences before where like I saw someone go through the process of building a business it took them many many years Mm -hmm. and they're relatively successful it's a lifestyle business so they can just kind of like hang out and do whatever now other people work for them make their money and it's really interesting because I've seen, you know, a change in the, in the interactions over the years, whereas before it'd be like, oh, you're kind of working on that thing, cool, whatever. And now that they're successful, uh, the interactions are like, wow, you're so lucky. You're so lucky that you're just like in this position and that this stuff all worked out for you and that like you have this awesome business. And, you know, like I personally got to see the decade of work that went into it. I would be curious what your experience has been around those types of interactions. Like, do you find that um, people are kind of like, oh, look, you're successful and not not uh, attributing that to some sort of talent uh, or just exclusively talent as opposed to hard work. No, because I surround myself with people who have seen that as well. And they know I've been living in the trenches, <laughs> you know, yeah. they know I've been like 
just putting my nose to the grindstone. So like they kind of humble me in a sense. Like I don't let any of that get to me. So it's like, and I know that if anyone starts saying that, I have to surround myself with different people. <laughs> so, you know, cause I'm like, I don't want anyone to, cause I know that the level I'm at is at a certain level, but then I go hang out with this, you know, people that are, again, whether it's relationships, whether it's business and they're doing like 10 mil, hundred mil a year and they're billionaires. Like, and that's another thing I've been in, in like rooms with those type of people and they're just regular people too, but I know they've been in the trenches for like 20 years. So I don't see it as that. And nobody really like says that they like, cause a lot of the people seem the, the come up in a sense. So I surround myself with those type of people. Like my close friends, they're in the trenches too building businesses and stuff like that so they always humble me too so they uh i kind of keep them really close so that i never forget that yeah that i mean that makes a lot of sense to me too uh i mostly was talking about people that like are not in the circle you know it's just like these these people looking in and seeing like they yeah. didn't see any of the process but that that makes perfect sense to me oh, i have family members actually when you mentioned it like that that i go to like family events or like when they're like you know, you were this like kid and now you're this like, you know, how did that happen? And it's like, they just didn't see the, the years of, but yeah, I, I definitely know what you're talking about. And uh, it's interesting because they don't see it. And then next thing you know, again, it's the time in between, like they don't see that, 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 that grind. And then next thing you know, they, they're like, oh, how are you doing this? And, you know, oh my God, right. So it's like, I can definitely see how some people can almost get shocked when they see that drastic transformation. But that's just, from the person you become, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And the reason I wanted to like start tunneling down this direction is because I feel like that's that's one of the things that I've seen block people from being successful is not recognizing mm -hmm. the process that most successful people have gone through to actually get where they are. They see, you know, they don't they don't know who the person is or they haven't interacted with them during the grind time, and then they just see these end results. Um, like that person I was talking about before, like they just like oh this this dude has like a business and doesn't work like the, yeah. wow so lucky like this is so cool and i and i feel like going back to what you're saying about entitlement like you can get this idea of like oh well like they, these people it's like these people just show up in the world and they're successful so like i'll try at this for like an hour and it should just fall on my lap right like then it should be good to go yeah it takes oh my god <laughs> i mean it I say this a lot, but you got to live in the trenches mm -hmm. and the trenches in the sense of like, you're actively on the front lines, you know, trying to make something from nothing, basically. Like obviously you have some working capital, whatever, but most people bootstrap or they have like some funds that they get to, to build a business. But like you're, regardless of whatever you're doing, like you're actively working and you're in the gym training, right? And it just takes years, right? So you're in the trenches and that's what I always refer to it as because it's you're literally just going through the dirt <laughs> until you get to the to the other side. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because not nobody just like goes into the gym and lifts like 300 pounds right off the bat when <laughs> no training or no work involved. Uh that makes sense. So I'd I'd be curious, um, you know, with the whole pandemic, a lot of people had lost their jobs and there a lot of people are like trying to launch their businesses now during this past year. And I'm curious, do you have any advice for these people that are trying to just get their business off the ground and they have no idea like 
the work that it takes <laughs> to, to start and launch a successful business. So what would you say to them? Yeah, I mean, it definitely depends on what type of business, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But regardless, I mean, there's massive opportunities. Mm-hmm. Like there's some massive, massive opportunities. The biggest thing is just identifying like the biggest times, in, especially in economic downturns and declines, and especially in these situations, is there's unrealized open spaces of opportunities. Mm-hmm. So you and I just identify those and search for problems or inefficiencies in the market mm. that is related and pick a niche market. So a subset of people that share this problem and then identify what that problem is and what would get them to their desired situation, their mm. solution, mm. and then just go offer them the solution and pre-sell it. So go offer it to them see if they'll pay you money. <laughs> pay you money fulfill it so whether that's a service so if you're doing like a digital marketing then you can go sell them that you can help them get this result this is your problem and then once you sell them again get some sort of commitment whether it's like a deposit or actual like paid up front then start to fulfill it or whether it's um again e-commerce a lot of things like my brother was building an e-commerce business Mm -hmm. and he did this like um Printful, I think it's called, or something like that, where he had like this brand and then he just didn't have any products, didn't source anything like that, built up an Instagram account, reached out to some followers, saw an inefficiency in the market with like, he sells like, um, he has like a wiener dog, <laughs> like a dash hound, and he sells like things that fit the dog, like clothes and like different things. Cause they're, and it's called Long Boy. So they, <laughs> <laughs> and so like they found an inefficiency because there's not much stuff that they were looking for for their dog they found there's a massive niche community of other wiener dogs and they started building an e-commerce business out of it so that's the one example and they pre-sold and they made a few thousand sales um just in the past couple months so as an example for a service base you would then pitch them on the service or if it's a program or a course or one-on-one coaching or like mm-hmm. whatever it is health coaching pre-sell it because mm-hmm. then you can get see if the market actually needs it find the market need and desire and then you can um fulfill it and once you know you get some commitment people want it they want to pay you money then you can start to deliver build it out put more resources and energy into it and uh but yeah focus on a niche and a problem Mm -hmm. and offer solutions yeah makes sense yeah, I like that, you know, and so I think a lot of people do the reverse where they're like, well, I have to build something great first before I even sell it, but you don't even know if anyone would buy it. <laughs> so it's like, how would you know first, like, go go talk to your audience, go talk to people before you well, kind of decide. I'll give you an example of that, my same, my same brother, he uh, built a product for a year, 2019 or like nine months, something like that, mm-hmm. for um, film festivals. Mm-hmm. for he does like virtual reality mm-hmm. as well so he built the product where they can showcase their three uh, virtual reality movies yeah. at film festivals which no one was doing so he built a theater so they can view their virtual reality films like the 360 films mm-hmm. but covid wiped that out so he had a few big clients and he was making a couple uh he made a couple hundred grand for that business but then literally went down to zero 
And then I told him, if you're going to start something, do it like this yeah. and sell it before you build it. Cause I don't want you to go through that process again, holding inventory for e-commerce. Don't do that. Um, then you can um, pre-sell these things. Right. So similar kind of model, um, right. Building it, but if you were like, but then once you have the product and you're selling in it, like that's a unique situation with COVID and how that hit. But, um, but yeah, that's definitely a big thing is you don't want to spend a lot of time. Right. And I find people will spend a lot of time mm-hmm. like literally obsessing over that mm-hmm. when they have no sales. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Once you get customers in, you should do everything you can to get them results mm-hmm. and make sure that they get the desired result that they paid you for. Right. But like you got to do the, the order in what you do, especially when you're starting it up, mm-hmm. you got to pre-sell things so mm-hmm. that, you know, like, for example, with the social media stuff, when I was uh, going door to door, selling the restaurants, I didn't really have a service. Mm-hmm. I knew conceptually on paper, I had a good pitch and a good offer, mm-hmm. but I just sold it to them. And then once I sold it to them, I was like, okay, now it's time to go. Right. And that's when, like you said, is like that confidence starts to boost when you get that first sale or someone does pay you because then you know okay there's something there it's kind of validated once you get like you know a few sales like three or five sales then you know okay this is some sort of need there and then you can like again put more resources time energy stuff into it but uh that's what it definitely i would say is like sell before you build or deliver mm-hmm. and focus on a niche problem and then just work like hell to get them the results Awesome. Well, Mitch, we really appreciate you joining us here today. Uh, was there anything you'd like to plug before we wrap up today? <laughs> uh, well, if you need help with automating certain processes or a sales process or generating appointments, getting clients, especially in the B2B space. So if you own a B2B business, um, you still like coaching, consulting, digital marketing services, um, you can go to executiveadvantage.co. And that's our website. You can go check out some of the videos we have on there. We have some case studies. And uh, yeah, you can see if it's a good fit. And if we can help you in any way, any content, then uh, more than happy to help you out. Great. Yes. Yeah. Check out the content. There's some amazing videos and our success stories and how Executive Advantage has helped hundreds of businesses accelerate their, their growth. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Happy Talks with Dr. Allison Donovan. We hope you got something of value to help bring a little more happiness into your life. What lesson or takeaway did you get from today's episode? For more tips and tools, be sure to check out my website at dralicefong.com and you can find me on my social media handles at dralicefong. You can find me at howtohappy.com and follow me on my social media handles at howtohappy. Catch Catch you next time. time.